We're starting this whole new series today on the prophetic. Um, we've gone through these six weeks where we have, we did five weeks in this foundation series. And then last week we looked at Esther about bringing the enemy into the presence of the king. And I don't, for those of you guys who were here a couple of weeks ago, ago, when we did that last sermon in the foundation series called Walk in the Way of Love, I shared with you guys how actually, you know, God suddenly just said, well, so I was prepping that morning, just end it, end the sermon. No, sorry, end the series there. And it, and it was this verse that I was reading, and it was kind of the end of that sermon, and it was from 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, and it said, Walk in the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. When I read that, I just felt that God say, it's ended, it's done. And I just heard him saying, that is what I want to begin to build in you. That's the foundation, these gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy, that, that I want to begin to build in you guys as a church in this season. And I love how God kind of works. You guys, some of those of you who were here last week would have heard me say that actually I had this sermon series on my mind six weeks ago, and, and God said, don't do that. You need to do this thing. So I, so I said, okay, and we went, did, went into the foundation series, and I had no idea really where we were going. But that series was on prophecy that I hadn't realized as we were going through it, God was leading us back to do this series on, prof on prophecy, but it's just beautiful how it's come full circle. And so I'm excited, guys, about what God's gonna do in us in this season. And I think, as a first thing, this area of prophecy, the prophetic, is something that God wants to begin building in us. There are many facets of the prophetic, many, many facets, and at its heart is this hearing the heart of God. It's hearing the heart of God. And I just want to encourage you guys, if you're like, uh, I've never felt very prophetic. I'm not a very prophetic person. Sometimes you hear that around church, right? I'm not very prophetic, or I've said it, by the way. But so, like, or, you know, I don't even get it. What is that? That sounds kind of weird, you know? I just want to encourage you that the series is for us all. That the prophetic is a life lived in the presence of God, getting close to Him, getting into proximity with Him. And actually, that's one of our core, that's one of our core values as a church. It's our first core value to pursue the presence of God, that we'd be in that place where we hear the heart of God, where we hear His voice. So I want to encourage you today. The prophetic is for everyone. We as the church, we're a prophetic people. It is so important for the church to be a prophetic people. In other words, a people here in such close relationship with God that they're hearing the words of God, they're hearing God speak to them and can be sharing that out into the world, sharing that to each other, being guided as a, as a I don't like to use the word, but as an organization, as a group of people, as a family moving forward, not by, hey, what James thinks is a good idea, but what what he thinks is a good idea. And so today and next week, what we're gonna do, do is we're gonna really begin to lay some foundations of the prophetic, because it is it's massive, it's a huge topic, it's kind of confusing, and maybe you've had different, different kind of things that you've looked at over time and been, maybe got confused with, maybe been excited with, and then felt a bit let down in. I think the prophetic is often a very misunderstood topic. You may be thinking it's just about telling the future, a prophecy, right? Telling the future. Thinking of Nostradamus or guys like that, you know? Some may be thinking, it's not for now. It's something that was then, but it's gone. It's passed away. 
some of you may be thinking, you know, yeah, I remember coming in touch with the prophetic once and that was just really weird, crazy. And actually I got a bit hurt. And just to share that whilst we were in the worship, I, I had a word, which was, I felt God say that there are people here or maybe listening to the podcast who've been hurt by the prophetic. The, the prophetic in some way, the way it's been worked out in, in the particular expression of church they were in, they ended up getting hurt by the prophetic. And I just felt God saying that he wants to heal that, he wants to mend that, that the prophetic is this beautiful place of presence and hearing God speak, hearing the heart of God, that actually there's, it's a place of beauty and grace and, and peace, not a place of judgment and feeling, feeling like you've done something wrong so if that's you i just and immediately when i started speaking about prophetic you're like oh no way I'm, I'm switching off i feel god's just encouraging you just lay down the grievance of the past and come into this place with a fresh heart and let him work in that let let him heal in that and our goal over kind of today next week and we'll, we'll see how we get on next week but it's actually to lay some pretty practical foundations before we get move on into maybe some more specifics what i want to do is actually look at look at the roots of the prophetic the origins if you want a title for today it's kind of like origins the prophetic origins what are the origins of the prophetic so we're going to look into the Old Testament at that to build this deeper understanding. And then next week, we're going to begin looking at actually the prophetic in the church today and what's the prophetic like for here, for the here and now. And my, I, the core of my heart, what I really feel God wants us to take hold of through this series, not only is walking in it, but from these messages is to see clearly that it's not some mystical, unattainable thing that only kind of you've got to be super weird or you've got to be some like super you know super spiritual prophetic christian to be able to engage with but that actually we begin to discover the raw beauty of the prophetic this relationship with god and that actually in the here and now it's open to all people so before I actually start and get into it, I just want to encourage you guys. And each week I want to try and share a, share a, a testimony of the prophetic because it's not just theory. It's real, right? It's real. I want to share a little video from, from a friend, Pascal, also in Scot from Scotland. And I've been on a journey with him over these last kind of four or five months. And it's been, it's been amazing kind of what God's done and just how God leads people from places of challenge and turmoil in the head of where we're going to a place of peace. Hi, James, Jess, and Destiny in Hong Kong. My name is Pascal, and I'm from Edinburgh. I just wanted to share with you a prophecy that I received recently that has absolutely changed the way I'm looking at my whole life. Uh, so recently I've been considering moving uh, from Edinburgh to Hong Kong. And actually, I've been thinking about this pretty much constantly for, for a period of a few months. Uh, but I, I felt like Hong Kong was edging out in front. And through James's advice, I decided to send a message to a guy on Destiny Network who's uh, got a gift of prophecy. I sent him a message. I said, I need to hear God's voice on something. Can you inquire for me? About two weeks later, he sent me a voicemail. We've been praying for a few days. I was in church at the time where I got this voice memo, so I stuck the phone up to my ear, pressed play, I listened to it, and he said, bear in mind, you've given me no information here, so I'm, this is what I've been praying about, this is what I've got. 
And then he said, <clears throat> I believe that you've been um, considering moving away from Edinburgh recently. When he said that, I was like, okay, you've got my attention now. <laughs> uh, and then he said, that would be the wrong thing to do. And then after that, he was giving detail after detail after detail of things that were utterly, completely specific to the, my whole uh, journey in the last few months of potentially moving over. And ever since then, I felt this most incredible sense of peace. When I got that voicemail, when I heard it, I went for a walk for a few miles. I was absolutely shocked. I could not, if you walk past me, you would probably think, what is going on with this guy? And then the amazing thing now, since then, if you walk past me now in the street, you would maybe think, this guy looks like he's the most peaceful guy on planet Earth. Because since I got that voice in my life, I felt like I'd been cradled in God's arms. I felt so peaceful and so just like, I just, just to know that I am, I am where God wants me to be is the most amazing feeling. And that's what my prayer for you guys is, that you would, um, that you would excel in the gift of prophecy. And I don't just mean single individual words. You'd have one word for this person, as in literally one word, but rather you'd have detailed, fully fleshed out, you know, bits of information for them, sentences, to the point where they just can't deny it. <laughs> Same with me. I mean, I weighed that prophecy up with other people. I prayed about it, but to be honest, I, I didn't really do that. I felt because it's like the guy's giving me so much detail. Amazing, hey? So good, so good. Shame we don't get Pascal here, though, right? I was like, amazing, rubbish. No, <laughs> no I'm, um, very, I'm really, very, really pleased. Jesus is the head, isn't he? Leads the church. So, man, if anyone finds some blue tech, that would be good. I never, I never worried about it before, but now it's a pain. Okay, guys, so we're going we're gonna to get into the sermon proper. The prophetic in the Old Testament. Where did it all begin? You know, where did it all begin? Why, why have prophets in the first place, right? Not the first prophets, but the latter prophets all began just annoying everybody and they ended up getting killed anyway, right? <laughs> Please, it's over. Remember Moses, you know, big beard, burning bush, Goes to Egypt, Pharaoh, 10 plagues, let my people go to the sea, sea splits through the Dead Sea, sorry, Red Sea, they rhyme, into, into the wilderness, Mount Sinai, boom, 10 commandments, it's the end of the sermon. No, that we get to Moses, okay, and they're out in the wilderness, and Moses is really the origin story of the Old Testament prophets. Moses becomes this prototype for all the prophets after Moses. He's the first guy to be described as friend of God and have this constant prophetic relationship with God. And the constant's that core thing, that he has this constant, ongoing, re prophetic relationship, hearing from God all the time. So Moses, up to this point, he's led the Jewish people out of Egypt. They're there, they're, they're in the wilderness. And through that whole time, the relationship between God and the people has been through Moses. It's been this intermediary, right? And now 
They're there in the wilderness. And Moses in that place, Moses had the Spirit of God put on him. He could see this, the awesomeness of this prophetic relationship with God, this, this direct line to God. And one day, there are these two other guys who actually start prophesying. And I'm not going to go down into that and how they were doing that, but they're these two guys. They start prophesying, and Joshua is like his right-hand guy. Remember, Joshua's like his protege, his uh, Padawan, if you're into Star Wars. So Joshua comes to him, and he, sa- he says to Moses, Moses, stop them from doing that. And in Numbers 11, 29, says this, But Moses replied, this is to Joshua, Are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets, and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. Moses, even way back then, knew this was the ideal, that all God's people would be able to prophesy and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Does that ring any bells? Sound familiar? If you remember years, years later, years after Moses, there's a prophet called Joel, and he prophesies the similar thing. And he, he says this, it says this in Joel 2, 28, it says, And afterwards, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. I want you to see, guys, that, that this has always been God's heart since way back at the beginning to pour his spirit out on all people. That as a people, would be a people who prophesy. Not one special guy, but that even the lowliest, right, in those cultures, the sons and the daughters, that they would prophesy, that they'd have this beautiful relationship with God and speak the words of God to each other. And at its heart, that all people would seek a relationship with him, would want to know him intimately, would want to know him intimately. See, God's heart has always been for relationship. It's always been for relationship. And it's that, it's the prophetic that reveals and calls people back into that relationship. It reveals that heart of God. It reveals that, that, that God's heart and God's want of relationship with people. It reveals God's love into the world. In Exodus 20, God speaks to the people. God speaks to the people of Israel. That's millions and millions, well, it's probably not, it's millions, okay, of people hearing God's, his audible voice all at once. It's a significant moment. This deep darkness descends on Mount Sinai. And God said, look, you guys need to stand back. But the thing you get from this is God wants to speak to the people. God wants to speak to the people. But the people don't want God to speak to them. In Exodus 20, 19, they say to Moses, they say, speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. And so we find the Old Testament prophets, this intermediary between God and man in relationship that begins to be established, those who would seek God, who would seek his presence, who would speak forth his words to the people, Moses becomes the prototype of the Old Testament prophets after that. Essentially, the core role of these Old Testament prophets is to be that in-between part, in-between person, calling people back in line with God, calling them to pursue him, not to break the law, 
as well as, and you'll see this through the prophets, as well as always pointing forward to Jesus. Even when the law is established, we see this desire of God, though, for relationship, this desire to be intimate with his people. Even when the law and the tabernacle, it gets instituted and the presence of God Almighty gets put in a box, okay? It's amazing. Only God could do that. The presence of God gets put in a box, the ark. And God instructs that the tabernacle is always right in the heart of the camp, right there in the heart of the camp, that the father's heart has always been to be with his children, not on some mountaintop somewhere, but there in the heart of the camp. And actually that's the structure of their camps and the tabernacle was right in the middle. The whole system of the law and the tabernacle, the tabernacle of Moses, the tent of Moses, however you think of it, that system was for people to relate to God under law and particularly it was a system for them having their sin forgiven, to have their sin forgiven, have their sin dealt with. At that moment, Jesus hadn't come, sin hadn't been dealt with and it's this, I want to ask an interesting question for you guys just to ponder is when did grace start? When did grace begin? See, it doesn't start at the cross. The cross is an act of grace, but grace has always been there. Grace has always been there. God is a gracious God. Grace has always been there. What starts at the cross? Righteousness starts at the cross for us. We receive righteousness at the cross, and we receive it by grace. Through Christ, the law is completely fulfilled. Stay with me for this little section because it's actually a little bit complex. It was a bit mental for me to kind of work out. Through Christ, okay, the law is fulfilled for us. We know this. And in him, we receive his righteousness. That it's this right standing before the Father, before Daddy God. That's incredible that you can go into a place that Moses never could go, that Moses never could be, to be in the presence of the Father. That's completely mind-blowing. That's the glory on you, or that, that's the righteousness on you, that you are so blameless, that you have the righteousness of Christ over the you, that you can go where Moses would have died if he stepped into that place. But by grace, you can always be there. Grace has always been there. Was it by their merit? Was it by following all the laws and keep being super good? that the Jews, the Jewish people, were led out of Egypt through the Dead Sea. Was it by all their works that they achieved that? No. It's by grace that God led them out of there. They didn't deserve it, but God led them out in grace. And I share this, guys, because the prophetic is all about this connection to the heart of God, seeking him, seeking him. His heart has always been that his people would seek his face, would look for him, that it's about relationship. You know, for us to to deal with sin, Old Testament and New Testament is very different, but for us to seek this relationship, if you see in the Old Testament and New Testament, there is this amazing action of grace at work. Sin had to get dealt with, but God always wanted more. There's this interesting verse in Exodus 33 
where even in the midst of the law and the tabernacle and this legal system in, to do with dealing with sin and being acceptable for, before God is being established, there is this opportunity to come before the Lord, to seek him out. Remember in the tabernacle, only the high priests could go into the presence of God, right? Based on the law and the special legal system set up by God, only the high priest could go into the presence of God. That in um, Exodus 40, 35, it says even Moses couldn't go in where the ark was, couldn't go into that place, wasn't allowed in. Moses couldn't approach God based on law. No one ever could. No one ever could, except the high priest following all those cleansing things, rituals. But amazingly, in Exodus 33, 7, going on exactly the same time as this, it says this, now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp. So this isn't the tabernacle, okay? Pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone, anyone inquiring of the Lord will go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. That's incredible that anyone could go to the tent of meeting. The, the tent of meeting wasn't a place of dealing with sin. The sin was dealt with. Our sin is dealt with on the cross, right? Their sin is being dealt with through the tabernacle. But this was a place of dealing with presence, a place of dealing with relationship, a place of pursuing God for God, seeking his face. We only hear to do with this, we, we only read in the Bible to do with the Lord speaking to Moses face to face. And we also know that there are times when that's going on where Joshua's with him, and sometimes Joshua just stays in the tent when Moses leaves, and also times when Aaron's with him. I think there's some other times as well. But uh, we don't know exactly what it would have been like for anyone, for someone going up into that tent and inquiring of the Lord. We don't know what their experience was going to be like. But the very fact that that could happen is incredible. Question, who is the Lord that Moses saw and spoke to face to face? Who's the Lord that Moses saw and spoke to face to face? Bearing in mind that the father, Moses had already asked the most audacious question anyone's ever said. And he said to the father, he said, let me look at your face. And what was the father's response? No one can look on my face and live. You can see my afterglow, the place where I just was, basically. Right? Amazing. Right? Who is it, though, that he's speaking to face to face? Moses speaking to Jesus. Speaking to Jesus. The theophany the pre-incarnate Christ. If this is the first time kind of hearing these kind of things of Jesus popping up in the Old Testament and people having conversations with him, I, like, I think it's a beautiful picture because actually Jesus is God, isn't he? He's, he's, he has been there from, he's there from the beginning. Him, the Father, and the Spirit are one. Who is Jesus? Or what is he, what's he like? He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so there's so many truths we know about Jesus which don't start at the cross, don't start in his life. They have been the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the image of the invisible God. Remember, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That even in that place, even there, even then, way back then, they have relationship through Christ. They have this relationship under grace with the Godhead through Jesus. It's the same way that we come to the Godhead, isn't it? It's just temporarily different. 
See, even concerning blessings, even concerning blessings, there's this whole law of blessings laid out. And, you know, for the majority, it was all through the law. If you obey the law, you're blessed. If you're not, if you don't obey the law, then you have curses. That's how the majority lived. That's the law. But think of David, the sinner, the murderer, who kept repenting, who kept pursuing relationship with God, who kept, and God just kept blessing him, you know? He didn't have done to him what, it wasn't like, there are certain lives in the Bible of guys who love God so much that they're not just following a religious law, they're pursuing relationship with him and their lives and the blessing going into their lives it's different. It's different. I get my head around this. I struggled with it this week because it's full on stuff. But there seems to be an amazing grace operating in that moment. David, Samuel, Nathan, so many other guys. They're, these guys, they're not just religious guys. They're having their sin dealt with at that time. They're, they're obeying the law, things like this. But they pursued God and they experienced this incredible grace. They love God. You know, when David sinned, what, he didn't just go and do some sacrifice for it. He went and he said, God, please don't take your spirit away from me. What did David do? Remember earlier in the year we spoke about David and the tent of David. David, he sat in front of the presence of God. He, the ark was in the tent of David, his tent that he put the ark inside. Incredible. This same ark that in the Holy of Holies under law to the do with the tabernacle of Moses, Moses couldn't even approach God based on that. How was David sat in front of the ark? He should have been dead. Grace. You know, the prophet Amos, speaking of this God's heart for restoring just relationship with God, not just cold religion, going through the motions, this, this heart of a deep connection with his heart. Amos said this in um, Amos 9.11, it says, In that day I will restore David's fallen shelter. Not the tabernacle, not Moses' fallen shelter, not the way to approach God by law, but David's fallen shelter, the way that you can sit in the presence of God, completely undeserving, under grace. The prophets were calling people back to the love of God, the relationship with him. See, the, the system of sacrifice, the system of forgiveness all the legal thing really at its core it's not about a deep heart change it's a practical thing to deal with a problem you went away you you did your sacrifice to deal with your sin you went away you did the same thing you came back you did the sacrifice for sin and this cycle went on the prophets are calling to a heart change on one degree sometimes it's calling from a heart change from completely not following the law to coming back into living in the law but then there is also this call to pursue God for God, to pursue him. There's this great verse, I'm sure a lot of you know it, from 2 Chronicles 7, 14. It says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, seek my face, right? And turn from their wicked ways. It's not a thing saying, if you just follow all the rules, and make sure you do all your sacrifices. That's not the call in that. It's this call to pursue God. This call to humble yourselves and come before God. Seek the face of God. Then I will hear from heaven. And I will forgive their sin. And I will heal their land. Guys, it's a call to relationship. It always has been a call to relationship. Seek my face. 
And God, over the ensuing generations after Moses, he then raises up prophets, and we'll look into this a bit later in the sermon, raises up different prophets as mouthpieces to his people, calling them back to him, away from sin. There are times where, because of the dispensation they're under, declaring the judgments of God over their sin against him and calling them back into relationship with him, pointing as well ultimately to the one who would create the inseparable relationship, the one who would deal with sin once and for all, Christ. So there's a lot of bits in there, a lot of stuff. If we're ending that section and you're a little confused, don't worry. I think there'll be more stuff in the kind of coming sermons as well that will speak into that. What I want to do now is pivot slightly and look at five main types of prophecy, just to build in you guys a little bit of a, a little foundation of the different kinds of prophecy that have gone on over, over Scripture, what was, what's passed away, what kinds of prophecies don't exist anymore, and now prophecies which are still in existence. This is particularly for people who say prophecy is only about telling the future. Not so. Type one is messianic prophecies. Messianic prophecies. Prophecies about the Messiah. These are prophecies that point forward to Christ. The, the ones that are saying, hey, you know, Isaiah has a load of these in there. In his, Daniel spoke about the coming Messiah. That there, there are all these prophecies. There are so many, in fact, it's almost mathematically impossible for someone to have been able to, to do this. Hundreds of prophecies about Jesus, about him coming. Much of the Old Testament prophets were dealing with and were concerned with reminding people of the Messiah, of this problem and this issue of sin, that actually one day we're not going to have to do this going into the tabernacle, that actually one day a guy is coming, okay, the Messiah is coming, and he is going to set us free. Remember, for us, we die, okay, when we die, we die with faith, don't we? With a very clear picture in what Jesus did. We die from this side of the cross. We die with a faith in what Jesus did. But they died in the hope of what Jesus would do. They died with this faith in the Messiah that would come. If you look in at Hebrews, it speaks about these guys who died in faith, these great men of faith. What are their faith in? There's no saving faith apart from faith in Christ, apart from faith in what God's doing to save us. What saves us? It is by faith you have been saved. Second type, law-establishing and law-abiding prophecies. These are prophecies to remind the people of the beauty of God's law. Call it, you get these all through the Old Testament, calling them back to God's law, pursue God's law, look into God's law. These prophecies are focused on either the creation of the law or actually abiding in it, living in the law. These prophecies have now ended for us. You know? They've now ended for us. For us, it's through Christ that sin is dealt with, not through the law. In some ways, the law-abiding prophecies maybe have, have changed to, this, to this, these kind of prophecies of actually pursuing Christ, of calling people to Christ. Third type, these still exist. The purpose and potential prophecies. These are prophecies calling people and nations into their purpose, into their calling, into their, into their destinies, that they're for strengthening, encouraging, they're for comforting. 
these guys, these kind of prophecies, they're still active today. These kind of prophecies as well, if it's for you, okay, probably prophet giving something to a nation is a pretty well-renowned prophet, but for prophets, prophecies to each other, if, it, you know, if it's for you and you receive a prophecy, if the person doesn't have a very great, like a big track record of prophecy and the thing that they're giving you direction into is completely random and new and it doesn't, doesn't resonate and sit right in your heart then, um, or confirm something in your heart, you don't have to follow it, okay? You've got to weigh prophecy. It's not like, so, oh, someone came to me, they've had, uh, this is their first time prophesying, and they told me to move to Mongolia. Okay, you don't, need to, you don't need to follow that, okay? There's like a wisdom as well. And we're going to go into more of those practicalities as we go further down, down this series. Type four is building the body of Christ prophecies. These are very specific because it is specifically, I believe, for um, the for the church, but and Christian organizations it could apply to, for edifying the church, encouraging the church, encouraging that governing body of the church. And through these, God speaks his will to the church, leads the church. It creates strategy for the church, planning for the church. It's how God speaks and directs his people. Destiny Edinburgh have got nearly all of their buildings through a prophetic word, a prophetic confirmation that they've known that that's the one they 100% have to go for. There's a phrase from church planting world that I, that I really love, and it's prophetic guidance for apostolic architecture, a way that the apostles and the prophets link together and work together. Hearing the voice of God for actually moving forward and growing in an area. And lastly, number five, is future preparedness prophecies. This is, you know, the Bible is full of all these kind of future prophecies. There could be warnings, plans, direction. No other book in the world is like it. And it's amazing. If you look at the number of stuff that's prophesied in the Bible, and then actually that it actually happens and comes to bear already in our history. It's incredible. God revealed to the prophets the things that would come. In Acts 11, when we, you may remember it from our Acts series, Acts 11:28 speaks of this prophetic guy, Agabus. And it says, one of them named Agabus stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. That happened during the reign of Claudius. It actually happened. He prophesied it. It's written down. Years later, it happened. They were able to prepare in advance for that. There's something to do with Paul and collecting all that money to send resources back to Jerusalem and the church in Jerusalem that was all linked with this, that actually that's the famine that those guys were under at the time. And I just want to say, as a little aside, and maybe this will release some people, especially to do with that word earlier about being hurt by the prophetic, is um, that so often warning or preparedness prophecies, future preparedness prophecies, are actually a warning from the loving heart of God. And yet, sometimes they can be presented as judgment. They can be presented as something that's condemning. And um, if you've been around the prophetic for a while, you, over the years you may have heard people say, oh, God, that was a judgment on this place, or that was a judgment of God on this thing. You know, you judge sin, right? And God judges sin, and sin was dealt with 2,000 years ago. That actually, there's a beauty in God warning about stuff that's coming, not as a judgment, but because he loves his kids. 
so that he would also be glorified in it. When, you know, when God warns people of calamity, he gets the glory. People see him, see, see his, just how awesome he is. There's a great story, some of you know it, of Sean Bowles. And he had connection with guys in South America. And he, uh, Sean Bowles was a prophet from, from the States. And he, he had this word. He woke up one day and God just spoke to him and said, there's going to be an earthquake in that area where he'd been ministering. And that earthquake, he contacted the churches there that he'd been down with and said, guys, I really feel God saying there's going to be an earthquake this week over these few days, but I'm not sure exactly what day it is. They took it seriously. And he said, look, get building insurance, make sure you've got building insurance. And so they took it all seriously. They got building insurance. They told everybody. They arranged a massive conference outside of town for that, for that period of time. Thousands of people left the town and traveled way away up to this conference up in the mountains. And um, on the Wednesday night, while they were worshiping, a huge earthquake hit their town, leveled the churches that many of them would have actually been in for the Wednesday, Wednesday service, leveled the churches amazing and and so these guys had bought all the building insurance they came back they built incredible new buildings there they've got an incredible new facility but it's not about buildings because those guys going back had prepared all in advance so they went back as this team this multi-church team in this multiple churches in this city going back in and just pouring the love of god pouring the blessing of god all into the community there helping people supporting people because they were prepared, because God has spoken to them. It's just amazing, you know, just incredible. God gets the glory. So many people come, came to faith through that. And I love that story as well, because it shows just how wild and different and dynamic the prophetic landscape is, how diverse it is, how exciting it is. And that's what we're going to explore over this next season, that it's not just one little thing like, you know, I kind of feel that God gave me a picture of a tree, right? Which is prophetic and it's great, but it's not just that. There, there's so many different angles and different places because it's going into the presence of God and anything that he could speak to us and deal with us in relationship and in, in communication, communication with God. So... As we kind of come into land, let's look now a little bit more at how the prophetic changed since Moses over the course of history. See, for Moses, in those generations, you only got maybe one or a few core prophets that's speaking into the life of the nation. And then we get this new theme that begins to happen around the time of Samuel, and Samuel develops the schools of prophets, where Samuel, he, he's learned to hear God's voice but he's also got this faith to begin raising up other prophets. We, we don't know what, what the detail is of everything that they do. But remember, Saul meets this band of prophets, you know, coming towards him. And then everyone starts prophesying. But they're going out into the, into, into the land, preaching the word of God, proclaiming the word of God. What Samuel did changed the course of history. And suddenly it wasn't just one or two kind of key voices into the land many people being trained released by Samuel the prophets they brought about this perfect standard that people didn't want to hear these are the guys who probably got their heads cut off that people didn't want to care hear. they were calling people back to this relationship with God again back to 
living a right way. Stop sinning. Turn back to God. Pursue the law. Seek him. In Isaiah 30, 10, it says this. They say to the seers, the seers is someone who sees, it's one of the words for prophets. They see to see it. They say to seers, see no more visions. And to the prophets, give us no more visions of what is right. Tell us pleasant things. Prophesy illusions. God's voice amplified through hundreds of prophets. Does this change? Such a change. Hearing and speaking out God's words of prophecy, then we see, particularly for today, it's a trained gift. It's something that we grow in us. It's a life. It's this spiritual walk to be pursued. And just to say, and we'll come to actually according to the pattern series, there's a difference between being prophetic and the gift of the prophetic and a prophet. But we'll come to that another time. Remember what Paul said to Timothy. And here's the challenge. Paul wrote to Timothy, didn't he? He said, fan into flame the gift of God. Fan into flame the gift of God. And there's this reality that we need to pursue it. You need to pursue it. Whatever the thing is, you've got to pursue it. I can't pursue it for you. Paul can't pursue it for Timothy. That there is this certain part where it's good to have teaching and mentoring and discipleship and all these things, but there's this element of responsibility on us. And folk don't like hearing that because it's so nice just to come and listen and go and don't do anything. But actually, the core of seeing this come as an inferno into the church is actually where each and every single one of us pursue it ourselves, get that hunger for ourselves. There is this reality where we need to eagerly desire it ourselves, eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. Why is it that exploring the prophetic is so important? Because today you may have come in here and prophetic, oh, that's cool. And you've, this, you've got your church model or your Christianity model and prophetic's like this kind of small box here, like down there and it's like, that's weird, okay? In the that's slightly weird, I don't understand it section. Or, you know, some people maybe not. Maybe it's a big part for you, which is great. But why is exploring the prophetic so important for us as a church? Prophecy accounts for more than one third of the entire Bible. In the Old Testament, the whole story plays out through the prophetic. In the New Testament, we see the impact of the prophetic for revealing Christ, revealing Jesus to people. Words of knowledge, prophecy, words of wisdom. Eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. Prophecy is essential. It's also essential for guidance and the advance of the church. Why? Because it all comes from the presence of God. It's a connection to God to the heart of God that's always present. It's a lifestyle lived. Prophecy isn't just this gift or ability. There's some element to that, but it's not just that. It is a connection to the heart of God. It always has been. It's a connection to the heart of God. If you take one thing away from today, that's it. Take that that the prophetic is a connection to the heart of God. That it's not, that the focal point isn't this, hey, I wanna have this kind of amazing word for someone and trying to do something and that's great. It's actually just this, how can we get deeper into your presence, God? 
I want to hear your heart. I want to have my head so close to your heart that I hear your heartbeat for every situation that I'm around. Wouldn't that be awesome that we could go into a situation, go into a room, and actually our head so close to the heart of God that we hear his heartbeat for that person who's something's going on. And, you know, that's a safe place to be because we're not going to just accuse them. We're not going to be fearful of it. We're just because God's God's just going to be speaking love to them, isn't he? Walk in the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. That you could there in that moment be the voice of God to those people, to that person, that maybe would set them free from something, like Pascal. Like I was on a journey with him. It was a challenging time until that came. And really, like just so much peace came through that one word, that one confirming word from the heart of God. Our target then, as individuals and as a church, it isn't this bunch of signs and wonders and getting great testimonies, although that stuff's going to come. Our target is a lifestyle of connection to the heart of God, that we would journey into a relationship with him, that we would hear his words for us, for the people around us, for the communities that we go into, for our friends who don't know him. And the amazing thing is, we're not... It's not like we're a bunch of Moseses, right? The new dispensation is completely different. We have the Holy Spirit, don't we? We have the Holy Spirit. We can invite them. When they're like, wow, that's incredible. Well, we can invite them into that experience. You can know God just, as, just like me. It's the same, the same Holy Spirit that caused Jesus to prophesy has been poured out on each of us if you've been filled with the Spirit. The very thing that Moses wished for all those years ago, that all of God's people would prophesy, would be prophets. The very thing that Joel prophesied. We're living in those times today. Amazing. What a privilege. What a privilege. There's no more exciting time to be alive than today. If you're here today or you're listening to the podcast, before we go into this, just a response time, If you're here today and you're like, you know, I do not have that connection with God. I want to have that relationship with Jesus. You know, the only place that that you're going to find that is is Jesus. I wanted to invite you today to come to him. It's a free gift of grace that's been given to you. That he will give you his perfect righteousness, his perfect record. Just decide in your heart today, yeah, Jesus, I'm, I want to start this journey. And this prayer isn't a magic, bit of magic that you suddenly, suddenly be- become something different. It's your heart. It's your heart decision to say, God, above all other things in my life, I want you. I want you, God. Jesus, you're my savior. You died for me on a cross that I could come into your presence. And I am going to grab hold of that privilege with all of my strength that I could hear the heart of God. If that's you today, just pray this after me. Jesus, I want to have a relationship with you. I want to know you. Thank you for paying for my sin and giving me your righteousness. Thank you that I am acceptable before the Father. 
I choose to follow you today. I choose to give you my life today. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Guys, if you're here today and at the beginning of this series, as we started out, if there's been things stirring in your heart where you're like, man, I want that. I want to pursue, fan into flame, this gift of prophecy. I want to pursue that. I want to eagerly desire that. If that's you today, I encourage you, make that decision today. Make that decision here in this place between you and God to pursue with him this, this gift of prophecy, to walk into that. If that's you today, just speak to him right now. Speak to him right now. Father God, Lord, I thank you. I thank you that you have made a way that we can be in your presence, that we can be, be in your... We could hear you. That we could have this incredible relationship with you. Lord, I pray in this season for us as we, as we start this series, Lord, I pray that you would do some incredible work in each person, God, in different ways, Lord. You know where everyone's at. You, you know the, the desire of each of our hearts, where, where, where we're pursuing you in, God. And Lord, I just pray that you would, you would fan into flame in this church, God, You'd fan into flame that gift of prophecy. Fan that into flame, God. <laughs>